from Quite The Thing Media. Hi everybody and welcome to the reformatted version of Quite The Interview where we're going to ask questions that haven't been asked before. But before we start, I've got a couple of shout-outs. need to give a shout-out to Captivate, who we're hosted on, also Squadcast, where we are recording, and Matchmaker.fm, where this interview was arranged. So I was on Matchmaker and I got in contact with Russ Powell and we decided to have a chat about... Well, I'll let Russ tell you. Russ, how are you, mate? Yeah, very well, thanks, Jack. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, magic, mate, magic, mate. So, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself before we get started? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I, my name's Russ. So, I am a founder and MD of a marketing agency called Sharper B2B Marketing. Um, but in the background, I'm also a, a battle-hardened and battle-scarred uh, stand-up comedian. Um, but I'm also a husband, a dad, um, a, a keen runner slash waddler slash walker okay? on occasion um but yeah as you said you you drop drop me a message on on matchmaker because uh, also i run a podcast as well the marketing magpie um but yeah jake you dropped me a message it sounded weird and different and a bit mental and i was like that's right up my street so let's have a chat yeah let's go for it why not so we are here. You need to. You're going to have to tell me what B two B marketing is because we will cover what people know and think about marketing, or what I think people know and think about marketing. But tell me a little bit about B two B marketing because I'll be honest, no idea what B two B is. <laughs> yeah, B two B, but it stands for business to business. So right. it's kind of it's the stuff that almost happen happens in the shadows, happens in the background in in marketing terms. So it's not yeah your glossy TV ads and your, your sexy billboards that you see around and about. It's stuff that um, gets people to buy networking solutions and data storage solutions and security networks and really unsexy. Oh, yeah. Uh, totally most, yeah. Most, <laughs> most people would say boring stuff, but it's the reality of the world. This is the stuff that businesses and, and people need and there's plenty of people out there trying to sell and market these services and products to people so we we help those people do that we help people sell um sell and market these these things that on the surface level aren't all that exciting but we try and make them exciting we make them exciting we make them different we make them attention grabbing um so um people do want to buy them yeah now, I'm going to ask everybody that comes on why they picked our topic, and our topic today is just basically marketing in general. It's pretty <laughs> obvious why you've picked it then, but yeah, how long have you been doing this? Like, is this something that you have a passion for and really wanted to get into as a teenager, thinking, let's get into marketing, or did you sort of fall into it like I think a lot of people end up doing in their careers, just sort of falling into shit, basically? Yeah, definitely, definitely the latter. So I, I did like a, a general business degree at uni um, because like most people who go to uni, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I know I kind of like business studies at school. Um, so I did that and kind of out of uni, got a, got a place on a, a graduate scheme at a big tech firm and started off in project management for the first six months and then quickly 
wanted to blow my own brains out because it was so dull. <laughs> um, and and fortunately, a, a role like a marketing role was advertised to the grad community. Um, applied for it and got it, and kind of haven't looked back since. I've kind of I've then been in marketing in B two B tech marketing for the past oh, 12, 13 years now. Sort of worked for some very big tech brands that everyone will know of and some very small ones that a lot of people won't know about. Um, and yeah, spent 12, 13 years on the client side and then set up Sharper uh, as an agency uh, April last year. Yeah, cool, cool. What I'll do is I will stick the link to your uh, LinkedIn basically so people can take a look at if they're into B2B marketing and want to take a look at your stuff. I'll stick that in the yep. show notes and the, um, your, the podcast as well. Uh, I will stick uh, a couple of links in there just so people can find you easily. You know, you obviously pay the bills with marketing, but you mentioned that you're a bit of a glutton for punishment and you have been a stand-up and X, Y, and Z. How did you get into stand-up? And have you got, I'm going to put you in the spot here a little bit, have you got like a favourite joke that you've written or just a favourite joke in general that you want to share with us and the listeners? Yeah, so I I did my first ever stand-up gig uh 13th of december 2009 uh not not that it's a date etched in my memory in any way (laughs) i actually got into it through work so i was i was working at the first place i worked and some of the other grads were doing like um what was it a prince's trust fundraising thing and they'd set up set up a comedy night one of the guys was my mate paul he was like oh like he's like, Rush, you're funny, you should have a go, just have a go at doing it. And I was like, well, you know what, it's work people, it's a safe environment, like, I've got nothing really to lose. So kind of cobbled together seven minutes of material um, and did the gig and didn't die on my ass, which I was expecting to. And I was like, oh, that that was good fun. That that was that was something to, to talk about. And then my mate Paul was like, well, you were really good, like, do another gig, do another gig, do another gig. So I did some more and didn't die on my ass again. So I was like, oh, well, maybe, maybe I'm onto something here. Um, so yeah, I saw, I, I gigged, I gigged regularly for maybe like seven or eight years. Um, and I had an agent, I went and did Edinburgh. I'd done some TV work. I did tour support for like um, Doc Brown and Catherine Ryan and people like that. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and, Doc Brown. yeah. and then, um, kind of life, life started to catch up with me and oh. got engaged and got married and looking at a house and family and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, comedy is not the, uh, not the most stable of careers, uh, as the pandemic has, has, has taught us. But no, it was brilliant. I absolutely loved doing it. It was some some of the best memories and some of the best times. And I'm still in contact with quite a lot of people um, that I gig with on the circuit and that. And if anything, comedy has really helped me with the marketing as well. Because the way I see it, it's all about both marketing and comedy is all about getting a reaction out of people. So they do something that you want them to do. In comedy, obviously, you want to get them to laugh. But with marketing, you want to get them to think about something to challenge how they're feeling about something to then want to make a positive change. So, and I was sort of doing the gigging the same time I was working a full-time job as well. And kind of the two, 
sort of fed off each other and 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 influenced each other, influenced each other along the way. But um, yeah, I've not actually done a, a gig for a couple of years, mm. um, probably more because of the pandemic than anything. But uh, but now now um, sort of things are starting to unlock and and come back to life again. I'm I'm gonna might book a few in and dip dip my toe back in the water, you know. So if you were to dip your toe back into the water, you walk out on stage. How how are you engaging that audience right away? What's what's your sort of go to joke? Have you got one basically? So my 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 opening my opening bit, which was my opening bit for a long time, uh, which which always seemed to work, and um, was um, people people like uh, getting annoyed at people telling me I look like other people. So, and it, it was kind of it was kind of going on that. So it's like, oh yeah, um, j- just to clear things up. So I am not um, that little kid from the film Up. Um, <laughs> I do look like him, and he's also called Russell. Uh, I am not. Um, what is it? The bastard love child of Ricky Gervais and James Corden. <laughs> Obviously, people can't see the video, but these things work, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, yeah, go and find a picture of me somewhere. You'll you'll see, you'll see it. It's, it's bang on, and um, yeah, stuff like that. So it's kind of because a lot of a lot of comics go on stage and they're like, "Oh, know what you're thinking? I look like so and so." And I'm kind of still doing that, but I'm kind of flipping it around and saying I'm annoyed that, and I like I don't want people to think that. But you kind of do it do it in a different way. But one one of my favourite jokes that was also used to be in like the top of the set. Um, which I loved was um, uh, was it? My dog's got no legs, but I've still got to take him for a walk every day. Bit of a drag. <laughs> Do you know what I love? Jokes like actually the wee short, short and sharp ones, man. They're right up my street. So <laughs> yeah, little, little one-liners and stuff like that. But um, yeah, that was always a fave of mine. Used to like that one. Yeah, good stuff, man. We're going to sort of cover very briefly what I think people know about marketing, basically, before we get mm-hmm. into seven or eight questions that I don't think have been asked before. Marketing seems a pretty murky world of cloak and daggers, in my opinion, trying to sell stuff to people that do they need it, basically. Is that fair? You're trying to yeah, sell I, shit that people don't need? I think, I think that is fair, to be honest with you. I think marketing has got a bad rep for itself yes. because there's lots of marketing done really badly. So like kind of the example that I always use is if if someone walked up to you in the street and just went, buy this thing, you'd be like, no, I don't want <laughs> it. And that's, and that's what a lot of marketing is. It's just shouting at people uh-huh. to, to get them to do something. And I think some a lot of people have lost trust in marketing in a way because you hear about all these data breaches with Facebook and all kinds of stuff like that and people don't know how their personal data is being used but brands are kind of using it for marketing purposes to target people and all kinds of stuff like that so yeah I think there is marketing kind of has somewhat of a bad rep for itself Um, but there are obviously great examples of marketing done really well like everyone will have their favorite advert and like i was i was chatting to to mates the other day and they were saying do you remember the sony bravia advert with all the bouncy balls going down the hill in san francisco 
me per- I, not off the top of my head. No. no, but that's that's like that's like a, a um that's one of, that's one of my favourite ever adverts, and it's stuff like that. It's it's not directly shouting. It's not saying buy this thing right now, but it's doing something different and interesting and engaging yeah. that makes people remember the brand for the right reasons. Like I even now that ad's probably well over ten years old and I still remember it's for Sony Bravia. Like yeah, not even just not even just Sony, it's Sony Bravia. I remember the the the, the range as well. Yeah. And you think like, there's all these there's all these great stuff like um like Tango. Everyone remembers like the you know <laughs> you've when been you tangled. Think, yeah, you you've right. been tango things and stuff right. like that. And it's those little it's finding those little things that connect with people yeah. um is really what, what I think marketing's all about. Yeah, the ones that pro- that I probably remember the most would be the Guinness adverts. Yeah. Um the like the hundred and nineteen seconds is how long it takes to pour a pint. And the guy would be swimming and would be the horses in the water and it was just very dramatic and in your face. But I remember that as being the Guinness advert for yeah. years. But again, that is probably what, 10, 15 years ago that advert was on the tail and it still sticks in my mind as being like yeah. the pinnacle of advertising, basically. Russ, is is your phone always listening to you? Basically, is what I'm <laughs> does it is it listening and is it then putting stuff in front of your face that you were speaking about 10 minutes ago because it seems like it. Well, Facebook and everyone would tell you that it isn't, but I, I, it must be. It must it's be. Got to if, be. If you can go, hey, Siri, and your phone lights up, you know it's listening. It's got thing. to be listening. You know it's yeah. listening. And I had an example, like, a little while ago, I went and I went and met a mate, for someone from uni who I'd not spoken to for years. We went and met up. And when we was at uni, we used to play squash quite a lot. Mm. I'd not played squash since we played squash. We went out for dinner. My phone was on the table. We were talking about, oh, do you remember when we used to play squash? And when I got home, I was served adverts for squash rackets and squash stuff. It can't be coincidence. It can't be coincidence, yeah. can it? I was having a conversation with somebody the other day um, on a podcast about films that we enjoyed or didn't enjoy as youngsters, and Shrek came up, the film Shrek. And my friend sent me an advert that he got 10 minutes later, basically a TikTok advert of somebody doing impressions of Shrek. So it's got to be listening. And is that healthy, man? Like your phone, like how much of that is AI? Like, I don't know if you know much about this. How much of that is AI listening in? And how much is it as as actual people listening to your conversations and going, right, tag that as they like Shrek? I don't know. I think it's it's kind of this this thing that I call like the, the scale of creepiness. Yes, it's like pe- people will tolerate a certain level of creepiness. It's like okay, like you go to the supermarket, you got your club card. They know that you like you like buying Guinness. So in a couple of weeks' time, you'll get a voucher through through your through your door for fifty p off cans of Guinness or whatever. And you're like, okay, that's yeah. that's cool. They that's know what enough. I like. Yeah. That, that's mm-hmm. that's fair enough. But yeah, like when you're, when you've not knowingly actively provided that information, and then you get something follows up, you're like, no, nah, fuck off, mate. That's no, that's that's yeah. just a bit. That's just a bit weird. Does that mean that data nowadays is the most valuable asset in the maybe not even the marketing world, just the world in general? Because it seems to be what Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, 
That's all they want is your data. That's all they want. Yeah. Is that so Absolutely. they can then sell to marketers and make money? Is that all it is? Simply put. Absolutely, 100%. And there's a reason that um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, are free to use. Because you may not be paying in money, but you are paying with and your data. data. Yeah. You're paying with your data. It track they do. That that's how they make their money. And like Facebook have never been secretive about that. Like when Zuckerberg went up in front of the Senate and they were like, Well, how do you make money? It's like, Well, we sell advertising space. It's like it's not a secret. Like people know that every everything's tracked, everything everything you do is is there and able to be be used and be sold on it's in the terms and conditions that you agree to but you never read when you sign up for these platforms <laughs> Click, everyone, yes yeah, you just tick the box no yeah. one ever reads them but it's all it's all in there and yeah i think yeah it's people if they're not comfortable with that then they shouldn't be using these platforms in in the first place but also there is a they, there is a responsibility that these platforms should use data um ethically and not just spread it randomly to to people that could use it for um, sinister sinister means, I guess. Well, that's that. Like, does it get a little bit murky and a little bit darker when it maybe, like, let's say, right wing politics or alt right stuff turns up, or like, does it make it easier for people to get maybe? almost brainwashed is that taking it too far if they have got certain thoughts about something the phone listens and then they think right okay we'll put something in front of them and then it maybe leads them down a different fucking path in life even is it that sinister could it be that dark uh i I would like to is that me sounding a little bit conspiracy theorist like a little bit mental there because yeah i think we we are we are sounding a bit conspiracy theorist now but i think the thing is people People will people who hold a view, and this is kind of a, a psychological thing that's been proven. People that hold a view will then find more information to back up that view and and make it seem it's biased, yeah, accepted and normal. And it's this confirmation bias. It's it's the oh. main thing. So if if you if you believe that um, chickens don't lay eggs, and you 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 express that view on Facebook, you will then be served more content or more posts that agree with the view that chickens don't lay eggs which then reinforces your view which reinforces everything reinforces reinforces and people get and it's out this the algorithmic way that um social media platforms are structured creates these these echo chambers that Uh people get stuck in a thing and obviously and when someone comes along who disagrees with that who says no chickens do definitely lay eggs there's then like a little group of people who go, no, you're wrong. We're right. Go away. And it won't matter what anyone says that they're still sort of, it's all this confirmation bias and, and reinforcement of this stuff because of, so Facebook knows that you, or Facebook or whatever these platforms know that you like this thing. So they will serve you more things that are related to this thing because they think you'll like it. How much should these massive companies then have a, a social concern that, putting lies in front of people doesn't have an impact on debate and things like that, you know, like, should there be an AI that decides that something is right 
or wrong or does freedom of speech and freedom of the internet basically overrule everything when it comes to something like that? Oh, that's that's a that's a big question. Yeah, that's a big, a big a big tough question that takes us into the realms of ethics and morals and and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I don't know that I'm clever enough to wade into that, mate. I might stitch. I might stitch nah, myself. Nah, fuck it then. I just uh, yeah. we'll just bend that, that, that yeah. <laughs> because I don't know either. I I, I kind of think that there should be a right and wrong, but um, freedom of speech, etc. Should that be a thing on the internet or should somebody overrule that? Mm. But then there would be people complaining about people controlling that. And then it's just like a big fucking, it's a big mess, really. But we'll move on to some of the questions that I don't think have maybe ever been asked before, ever. Uh, but we'll yeah. see. Number Do one, it. you work in marketing, Russ. Um, Do you think it'd be easy to market my reverse microwave? Um... Well, the thing with marketing is you kind of need to you need to identify. So the the best thing to do is find an audience and find out what they want first, right? Rather than coming up with a thing and then trying to make people want it. Um, right. But I don't know. It depends. Do, do people want their food uncooked? No, it's not uncooked. Like, see, uh, see, there's there's maybe a little bit of a mix up here. I think that when you get a bowl of soup, you look fucking ridiculous blowing on your spoon. You go, and you blow on it, and you look daft. Mm. I would rather just put it in my reverse microwave, get it to the exact right temperature so I don't need to look like a dick blowing on my spoon. Ah, That's it. So I very see. specifically, it is self-conscious people, when they go to a restaurant, they don't want to blow on their spoon. That's the market I'm aiming at. <laughs> Pretty niche, but yeah, I think so- get there self-conscious spoon blowers and yeah i mean like if you've got like a a nice big bowl of pasta or something and you splash it up you get sauce on your face and stuff and you end up with second degree burns on your chin you don't want that so if you can pizza uh, as well you know like the, the really first bite of pizza and it sticks to the top of your mouth yeah or a toast, you know if you, you know if you have a cheese toasty but it's got tomato in it and the tomato Ooh. gets to like how i don't understand i don't understand the physics of it how the tomato in a toasty can get so hot yeah, and it just like, like and then it ends up mm-hmm. sticking to your face, and you end up with with burns there as well. Yeah, when you said reverse microwave, I was thinking of someone would like have, um, I don't know, like some scrambled egg, and it un unscrambles the egg and turns it back into eggs again. No, no, basically just cooled stuff down a little bit. Is that's I suppose is that not a fridge? Mm, no, no. <laughs> Because say I've I've got my burning hot toasty, mm. I put it in the fridge. I maybe need to wait three minutes. I want that to be done in three seconds. Yeah, you want your toasty right here, right I want now. My to- because you're salivating by the time your toasty gets there, and you take that first bite, and the, you get that dribble on your chin, like it says, and you need to yeah. just put it down and sit and stare at it. So I f- I and- think the, I think the technology sound. I would maybe we look at calling it something else. Yes. Because a, re- a reverse microwave made people think like I did that you're going to uncook something. Yeah. Whereas don't if, want you, that. If, you, no. if you call it like a, a, a temperature optimizer, so yes. you, you can cook your food and then, oh, what would be even better is oh. if you can keep on popping your soup or your toasty or your whatever back in it. So when it gets a little bit cold, you can warm it back up again. 
Up and down? Yeah. Wow, yeah. So we call Fuck, it... The, I think we've got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we call it a, 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 yeah, a temp, temperature optimizer. Mm. And you can just... Yeah, who wouldn't want one of those? A, a perfect temperature meal all the while you're eating it. And you could you could even like line up your food in it. So you, you get your soup to start and then you've just got your roast stew sitting in it and it comes out and you have a little bit of that. Yeah, I think we'll call it the temperature optimizer, not the reverse microwave. That was that was my bad calling it that. But you think you could market that something that just keeps food perfectly poor? But, but is 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 the technology so advanced that you could put like a bowl of stew and an ice cream sundae in there at the same time, so it keep one hot and one cold? That's the it dream, would, surely. Yeah, it would be remiss of me to say that the technology wasn't that good. So I'm going to say, yeah, <laughs> the technology can do all of that, and I wanna. I don't want to make myself look stupid here, you know. Yeah. No. Nah. Right. So, Dragon's yes. head, mate. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> You're in number one temperature op- optimizer. Gets the gets the yeah. the buy. That this kind of goes with uh, um, the old phrase: uh, trying to sell snow to a. An Eskimo, basically. Have you ever tried to sell snow? Or what is the... I suppose, what's the hardest thing you've ever had to market? Like, or the most sort of... Oh. Yeah, the hard- thing, basically. <laughs> the hardest thing I've ever had to market was actually... is a summer job before I, got, before I got into... Before I got into, like, the proper world of work. And I did it for a day. And hated that day so much. One and day, it, and, it, and it was it was going door to door and trying to sell. Um, it's like pebble dashing. It's like this thermal <laughs> insulating yeah, yeah. stuff that, that you put on the outside of houses, and mate, and they they gave us a little script and like, oh, is the homeowner in? Oh, are you the homeowner? Like, oh, how are your energy costs or that kind <laughs> of stuff? And it was literally eight hours of having doors slammed in my face. And I was like, yeah, so thermal insulating pebble dash is the, the hardest thing that I've ever had to sell. Um, so that would because, be like trying to sell snow to an Eskimo, basically. Yeah. Just trying to sell pebble dash to somebody that doesn't fucking care for a start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that, is that, I suppose, is that the most difficult thing, like trying to sell something to somebody that doesn't, one, care? Like, is that the main thing, caring about what you're trying to sell? Yeah, well, people, people, have to have a need for right. for what so you, you, you you can you can create the need like there's the whole um he's in wolf of wall street yes and so there's the whole example of oh, sell me this pen you know it's like an old sales technique it's like mm. oh sell me this pen and then you don't you don't talk about oh the pen it's this shape it's got this ink it's what this whatever they give you the pen sell me this pen you take it off them and they and you go oh can can you can you write a letter to so and so, and they'll be like, well, no, I haven't got a pen. It's like, well, here's your pen. I'll sell it to you. And it's not about the thing. It's about creating the need, need for it. So yeah, kind of the old the old thing is around selling selling ice to Eskimos, um, which is absolute nonsense because there's no there's no need because it's readily abundant um, around them. So yeah. It's, and I think you can't you can't sell something to somebody that doesn't need it or want it. Mm. And, kind of, and I guess kind of one of the core things of marketing 
is turning things that people want into things that people need. Mm-hmm. But there are very few things that we need as a species to survive. We need food, we need water, we need shelter, we need heat. We don't need laptops, we don't need phones, we don't need uh, that new pair of trainers to survive. But marketing tells us we want it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, 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 the key is turning, turning wants into needs. What I do need is even I buy my girlfriend a present and it's got a price sticker on it. Mm. I want that to I want that sticker to come off in one one pull, basically. So yeah. do you think you could invent one of them for us, Russ? Oh, so, like, so you, you don't you don't leave the res you don't leave the residue, the little You don't leave the residue, you don't need to you don't need to get the soapy water out. You just pull it off and it makes this really satisfying noise. It goes and just comes off in a winner and that's it. Yeah. No residue, I- no price, nothing. And then you just give that present to your girlfriend and here. Yeah. yeah. I think You're the noise the I think the noise would be the best bit for me there. <laughs> if I literally made that noise. Yeah. I'd leave it on just to give her the pleasure of that noise in, in peeling it off. Oh. I went on to a uh, a website that um randomly produced marketing terms in inverted commas here. So I'm gonna throw three of them at you. We'll maybe try and see what they mean, and then what one is best, basically. So, mm-hmm. sideways machine production sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, wearable story adjustment. Yeah, or neural mission signposting. Okay, three of them in my head. If I heard them, if Twitter launched sideways machine production one day, I would kind of think, right, okay, that must be something. Mm. But is that is that production of sideways machines, or is that or, or is that or is that machine or is that machine production done sideways? That's what I'd want to know. I think I think it's machine production done sideways. I think that's what that says to me. Is that you do? It's, yeah, it's going sideways. So does that save time? Does it mean that you don't need to move up the hierarchical? sort of needs of your production company it just goes sideways is that a good thing is that a bad thing yeah is it nonsense but where does it where does it go once it's gone sideways does it come back just, again just, it, just, just, uh, just just out the side just out just the side pop it out the side that's done just leave it there forget about oh. that that's, that's fine yeah um yeah what were the other two we've got wearable story adjustment see that sounds like something like you've got your watch and it's like, do you remember those books that you would read years ago that would say, if you want to go down the corridor, turn to page 94? It kind of sounds like that, but modern. Oh, but is it good sell? Mm. Is, it, is it story with a Y or story with an IE? It's a Y, yes. Uh, the thing is, if it was an IE, it might be that you're able to not have to climb up some flights of stairs. You can like adjust the different stories of, of the house or the building that you're in. Well, that would like that would be pretty fantastical if you could like rearrange buildings. Yeah, I mean that's like that's like some yeah. that's some Hogwarts stuff to yeah. move in the staircases and all that kind of stuff. Where Again, in my where head it's sort of adjustment. Yeah, you pick your own story almost. So you've got your Apple Watch on and you're walking along the street and it yeah. hands you a little notification saying, "Would you like to turn left or right?" 
Yeah, it might. It could even be like some sort of um, aug- augmented reality thing. So mm. it's maybe like some Google glasses or whatever that have got like a heads up display, and it says, "Oh, if if you go that way, there's there's going to be a big dog that you're going to have to run away from. But if you go that way, there's going to be an ice cream shop that's giving away free ice cream." And yeah. where are you going to go? Like, what? How do you want to adjust would, your story for yeah. the day? I would still go left, but I would still like to see the dog because I don't think there's a dog that I would ever run away from. I'm well, a, maybe I'm I'll a, go, go and get an ice cream and give it to the dog. Or can you double back in yourself then? Well, it's, you it's, it's, it's your story. I guess you can adjust it however you want, can't you? Right. Okay. And this one seems more overarching. Neural mission signposting, that does sound like something that Amazon Web Services would offer, perhaps, to some sort of coder. Like, yeah. let's try and get get into the neural mission of somebody and then signpost them. Kind of like, was that a film with Leonardo DiCaprio where they got into the dreams? Um, Inception. That's it. I was going to say Equilibrium, yeah. but that's, that wasn't it, was it? I quite uh, enjoyed Equilibrium as well. That was quite <laughs> with uh, yeah, that was, Bale. Yeah. yeah, that was a good one, wasn't it? Where it was, yeah, it was like the guns were swords and they did all like these funny dance. Yeah, they could, they could always tell the future. Way. They knew how people would fight, so they would point the guns in the right direction and yeah, yeah. they would get there before the people did. But that's kind of yeah. that's kind of what that sounds like, I suppose. Yeah, neural neural mission signposting. Well, maybe it could even be like the next level of AI looking at what people are doing, but it's tapped into your brain. So it knows what your brain is going to do and it pings up all these signposts that they can then use to to, um, target things off of. But we're getting into the realm. That's more conspiracy theories, I reckon. Yeah, but I do think that that one's probably got the that's the, that one is the most future proof in my mind. Then now that we've discussed them all, is the the neural yeah. mission signposting that it kind of tells you what to do before you've even got there. Mm. That's what that sounds like to me. Yeah, and that sounds like something that Facebook are already trying to implement somehow mm. in their new Facebook app. I don't know. Yeah. I do feel like on a path, maybe. Yeah, I do feel like I want to go. I do feel like I would be happier getting into the production of sideways machines, though. <laughs> so I think I think we we we'll, we'll do the we'll do the temperature optimizer, and then we'll invent yeah. a side. Well, then we'll invent invent a sideways machine as well. Right. Okay. Um, to produce some music for our new advert for sideways machine production and temperature optimizers, we've been approached by two DJs. One is called George Washington, mm-hmm. and one is called Vinyl Richie. Who are we going to, so, going to give money to to produce the perfect soundtrack to our adverts? George George Washington is obviously into his hardcore riff riff heavy yes. metal metal uh-huh. music, um, which may go well with a sideways machine. Depends on what it is that we actually produce with that. And then vinyl Richie, obviously, a bit lighter, a bit more disco, bit he's more cheesy, yeah. bit more cheesy. And if he's cheesy, it might be good for optimizing the temperature of your toasty. Right. So okay. I, so just I hire say, both of them. Yeah. Yeah, I would say let's get vinyl Richie <laughs> to, do, to do the temperature optimizer. 
and we'll have George Washington for the sideways machine. Done. Right, okay. And um, have you got IT guys that work for you in your company? And have you ever called them Alpha Geek? Because this was something that I only read the other day. Some have been called an Alpha Geek. An yeah. Alpha Geek? Uh, yeah. No. We do, um, yeah, we have like a shared services IT team. Um, who, so I've never actually met any of them. I've only ever emailed or, spoke <laughs> or, or spoken to them on on live chat because they're they're kind of remote. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, well, yeah, I imagine as in as in any walk of life, you have you have alphas and you have betas and you have um, everyone else. So there there must be the one true geek somewhere. There's got to be mm-hmm. an alpha geek somewhere. And do you think there's one every company, or do you think they all sort of look up to one mega alpha geek who has like the? Well, probably the, the alpha geek. The alpha geek's probably Elon Musk, isn't it? He's, well, he's, he's definitely up the there. Yeah, he's got to be the alpha. But but then is Bill Gates the alpha geek, or is could is Steve Jobs the alpha alpha geek and the alpha know, alpha yeah. the alpha alpha? But then you kind of go back even further, and you're like. Well, it's like Isaac Newton or like Einstein or Plato or Aristotle. Yeah. Are they are they the alpha geeks? I, I don't think, just because of what I have read about Isaac Newton, he was very much like a weirdo. Let's, like, without putting too fine a point on it, he was a little bit of a strange one. Like, he didn't speak to people. He would, he would literally run out of rooms so he didn't have to have conversations. So... When it comes to alpha alpha geeks, I think you've got to go for Steve Jobs just because of what I have read about his alphaness, his being a bit of a horrible cunt, let's be honest, to staff, to his friends, to people that he loved, but also, no, wait a minute, like, he wasn't really, he wasn't really the... He didn't really create the code, for example. He was more the marketer, I suppose. So would you, as a marketer, is Steve Jobs the, the alpha marketer of all time? You see, he must be up there. Yeah, he, like, I mean, he, he had some skills. He knew how to put on a show. He knew, he knew how to yeah. sell something and, and get people to to want something. Um, did, you, did you know Steve Jobs had a, had a phobia of buttons? That's why there are no buttons on iPhones, or the, why there was only one button on the... Um, on the original iPhone. No, I never yeah. knew that. No. He, was, he was phobic of buttons, apparently, so that's why it was all um, all sleek and as buttonless what? as possible. Like shirt buttons as well, because I'm sitting here wearing a shirt, like those type of buttons as well? Or yeah, just, but uh, Job, he only ever wore a black polo neck, didn't he? Yes, he, he never he, had, he never had a buttoned-up shirt on. And is that... <laughs> That is, like was that a deep side thing? Well, maybe yeah. If if you're phobic of something, you don't want to wear have more buttons on you than than, than are absolutely cool. necessary, would you? But yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Steve Jobs was a was a fantastic marketer. He knew how to create allure around something and how to how to. Um, he was actually really good at. Um, sort of there's like a, a terminology called anchoring around pricing and stuff and it's when i think it was when um maybe it's when like the first the first ipod launched or something and they were like oh it's like this this isn't going to cost you 999 dollars. it's only going to cost you 
$499, for instance. And like the nearest, <laughs> the nearest competitor to the iPod or whatever at the time, maybe only cost a couple of hundred dollars, but he made 499 seem like really good value because it wasn't 999. And there was never any intention of charging 999 for it. But you anchor people to that higher figure. That's what they believe. And you tell them you're getting this for only half of half of that. And they're like, oh, this is amazing. This deal of the century. You just make, yeah. You just make yeah. that anchor up then. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it shows. Like you just anchored that at double the price that you wanted to sell it for. Yeah. And there was a great little um a great little thing I saw <laughs> on I saw on LinkedIn the other day around pricing and stuff as well. So there's like a, it's like a little story. There's like a guy, guy selling watermelons. And he's like, they're three pound each or three for ten pound. So one so one guy goes up and he's like, he's like, oh, I'll, I'll buy one more watermelon, please. He's like, okay, three quid. There he goes. And he's like, oh, I'll buy another watermelon, please. It's like, okay, another three quid. And he's like, yeah, one more watermelon, please. And he's like, yeah, so it's three quid. And, and the guy who's bought the watermelons, he's like, wow. I just bought three watermelons. You know that I've paid one pound less for them than 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 you than your prices. He's like, you don't know how to run your business. And he's like, well, you just brought two watermelons that you didn't want. I've made six extra quid off of you. Who doesn't know how to run their business? Yeah, it's kind of fun fun stuff like that as well. It's there's a lot of a lot of psychology involved in in pricing. It's all about. Um, making people believe they've got a deal around things it's like when you when you sign up for when you sign up for a subscription to stuff there's a lot of pricing psychology going on there that people will generally tend to go for the middle option middle one yeah yeah so and it's it's kind of it's that that's kind of an innate psychological thing of risk aversion as humans you won't always you don't necessarily go you want to you don't always pick the best thing you pick for you pick the least riskiest thing and so you don't go for the cheap one because you think that might not do what you want and you don't go for the expensive one because you think you'll get too much you don't that you won't use so you go for the middle one but what you don't realize is the middle one is actually probably closer to the more expensive one because people know you won't go for the expensive one so they raise the price of the middle one and yeah, there's all there's a lot of we could talk for hours on this. There's a lot yeah. of different sort of psychology and and stuff that that goes into it that is actually really fascinating. Stuff that goes on in your brain without you even realizing it. Uh, like I, I work for a quite a large Patreon network, and they've got three price tiers. Basically, the bottom tier you get one show a day, mm-hmm. the middle tier you get all the shows bar the top tier shows. I think there's one top tier show a week. Yeah. So, like, the middle one is, like, it's almost like you need to be daft not to go for the middle one because you're getting four shows a day Yeah. for the middle price, one show a day for the bottom price, and then for the top price, you get that one extra show a week. Yeah. So, it's almost like driving you towards that middle one, which yeah. makes... Yeah, because it's then, it's then deemed as... It's the deemed most- as you get you get most for your money and it's the oh. it's the least risky. So yeah, it's all yeah. psychology. Psychology everywhere. Yeah, for sure. 
Would you buy a, a Bluetooth boomerang? And the only reason I ask this is because I think i seen an advert somewhere for a Bluetooth frisbee, and I don't really know why, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you, why you would want a Bluetooth frisbee. So I thought I would just change it up a bit. Bluetooth boomerang? Yeah. Well, you, you, can't, you see loads of stuff nowadays that's like Wi-Fi enabled. Uh-huh. Does my fridge need to be Wi-Fi enabled? Does my washing machine need to be Wi-Fi enabled? It's like... No, not really. And like Bluetooth boomerang as well. Like, <laughs> what are you what are you Bluetooth what are you Bluetooth into it? Music or whatever? You're just connecting it to your Bluetooth, mate. I don't know. Yeah, and it's just going to get stuck up a tree or lost on someone's roof anyway. So seems yeah. like seems like a bit of a waste to me. Yeah, it's like a waste you... a waste of good Bluetooths. Yeah, fuck that. Why waste your Bluetooth on a boomerang when you could Bluetooth connect to your, I don't know, like you say, your fridge? Yeah. And you can turn that off when you're not in the house. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah there's know. only there's only so many blue teeth around, so you know, don't waste them. Yeah, blue teeth. Yeah, you don't hear that phrase much, do you? Blue no. teeth. No. Uh, last question I'm going to ask everybody, I think, is have you ever seen a baby pigeon? See, I reckon I probably have because no one's ever seen a little pigeon. So I reckon pigeons hatch at that size. Well, they're just huge. They're just, <laughs> they're just really scrunched up in their eggs. They're just. I think the baby ones and the adult ones are all the same size. They're just massive babies. So yeah, <laughs> I, re- I reckon I have. I reckon everyone's seen one. They just don't know it. They just don't know it. That is it. Ross, me, I've had a, I've had a great chat, mate. I really enjoyed it. And um, just before we go. Where can people find you again? Like I said, I will stick it in the show notes, but just to give people a shout out where they can find you, your B2B marketing, if that's what they want to get into. And no, I mean, you, I think you've proven yourself to be quite an astute marketer with the temperature optimizer and uh, sideways machine production being perfect. Yeah, those are, they're, they're basically billion, they're billion pound <laughs> ideas. So right. yeah, if anyone wants to invest in those alongside me and Jack, you can find me, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, just search for Russ Powell um, and then Sharper B2B Marketing on LinkedIn or sharperb2b.com on the World Wide Web. Um, and uh, yeah, you can find me there. Right, guys, we are a member of Quite a Thing Media. This has been hosted on Captivate, recorded on Squadcast, and arranged on Matchmaker. We will speak to you soon. That was a Quite the Thing Media production. 